I'm Michael Max, and this is Geological. This is one of a number of special podcasts from the Shenong Society's day-long conference on Chinese herbal medicine. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of the solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash geological to learn how. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app switch 
to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code GEOLOGICAL at the time of sign-up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. I'm back with our next speaker from the uh, Shandong Conference. It's Craig Mitchell. Uh, Y'all probably know a lot about his work. In fact, he was one of the translators of the Walk Along the River. And today he was here at the conference speaking about Sinisan and why is it in the Xiaoyin section of the Shanghan Lin. That's actually not the subject of this conversation, but just to let you know that there's some interesting conversations out there about this, and uh, maybe we'll get a chance to talk with him at another time about that. But the main reason I've got Craig here is because he's had the opportunity to work with Dr. Yu, he's had an opportunity to work with uh, the work that Dr. Yu is doing, and I know from my experience that whenever I've had a chance to hang out with a doc for a while, that doctor's work has sort of rubbed off on me a bit. And, and so I'm sitting down here with Craig, curious to know what kind of influences Dr. Yu's work might have had on him. Craig, welcome to Geological. Thanks for having me, Michael. It's nice to be here. So the question that you're asking is complicated, and it has a very long answer. We've got a little bit of time. <laughs> I'm going to let you hold this. Okay. So I think that that I could answer this on a few different levels. So one, one example, or one level, is just simply that Dr. Yu has, through, through working on his material, I have learned about formulas with which I was previously unfamiliar. So an example of that is in, our fir- in the first volume of the book, there's a formula called Chai Chun Zhe Xie Tang. And that formula is a combination of Xiao Chai Hu Tang, Erchen Tang, and Zhe Xie Tang. And it's used, Dr. Yu and his teacher, uh, Zhang Ershun, use that formula for vertigo. And I read about that and looked at it, and it's a, I think it's actually a really interesting discussion in the book about where vertigo comes from and what are all the factors from a Chinese medicine point of view. And I've used the formula now on, I don't know, it's probably a half a dozen patients. And it has been an amazingly effective formula. For vertigo. For vertigo, yes, exactly. I've used it for that usage specifically because that's what I learned about it from Dr. Yu for, right? And... So, so that there are a few formulas in his work that are either, you know, that's not a, that's a non-standard um, way of bringing a bunch of formulas together for a specific purpose, to achieve a specific therapeutic goal. And so, so having access to those kinds of things, then you get a patient and you're like, oh, there's this formula from Dr. Yu's book and I think I might be able to use that. And that's just one example of that. Yeah. Could you unpack that formula just a little bit? I know that when people come in with vertigo, I'll often see some sort of a Xiaoyang mm-hmm. presentation, right? And Xiao Chai Hu Tang or Sini San yep. are often things that come to mind and, you know, modified in different ways. Yep. So could you unpack that a little bit for us and, and how those three formulas work together to uh, treat vertigo? 
aren't I supposed to say, just read my book? Well, of course, that's a great idea. In fact, y'all got the book already, right? <laughs> so, I mean, without going into um, too much detail, it, it is, obviously, we have the Xiao Chai Hutong part to address the Xiaoyang aspect of that problem. And I think one of the conceptions of the Xiaoyang, that kind of Xiaoyang problem is that it, it creates heat that rises in the body. And so when that heat rises, that can be one of the factors that gives rise to vertigo. Of course, in most of the patients who have these kinds of problems, they also have a problem with fluid dynamics and they have mm -hmm. phlegm that's hanging around or damp or some combination of those things. So the urchin tong addresses that. The other aspect of, the, of that formulation is that usually there's an underlying problem with this, either a spleen and or a kidney deficiency as a root problem. And so the, one of the things that Dr. Yu talks about in the text is that you can't really tonify the kidney at that point in time because the kinds of things that you might want to use are usually not applicable when somebody has dampness to that degree where it's causing vertigo. So you start by working on the spleen, right, where you're using those kinds of warm, slightly drying substances like in Urchentang um, that can help to enliven the spleen and transform dampness and, and strengthen the spleen chi. So it's this, it's, it, it is a great, I think it's a great example of like when you look in the classical literature, you'll find these idiomatic quotes about vertigo where it'll say, there is no vertigo without phlegm, or there is no vertigo without, um, without fire. And then what Dr. Yu says is, well, in fact, those are all part of the equation, and you actually need to address them all at the same time. And by addressing them all at the same time, that's why the formula works so quickly and so rapidly for for a wide range of patients because to some degree, all of those pathologies will be involved. And he's, he's quick to make a distinction between sort of like, oh, I'm a little woozy or I'm a little lightheaded versus vertigo, like where the room is actually spinning. And so the kind of the key, some of the key distinguishing things are that sense of movement in the head mm -hmm. and then usually a, a thick, slightly greasy tongue coat. But I've, I've used the formula now with enough different patients that I'm like, the formula just seems really great regardless of a bunch of other things, right? So you can kind of almost ignore those other aspects and use the formula to address that acute branch problem. And then you may need to go back and do other things, right, afterwards. Well, it sounds like in some ways you've got a dynamic here where you've got some heat going off from the Xiaoyang, but you've got this fluid issue, they're kind of glued together. Mm -hmm. If you work on one without the other, you know, it's like, how do you unwind it? You need to unwind them both at the same time. And I in your talk today, you said something to the effect of really for learning almost any formula. I mean, the classics, of course, we hear this, oh, learn those simple four herb formulas because then you'll learn the dynamics and you'll see how these things work. Use the, the Jingfang and the classical formulas, you know, unmodified until you understand them. You suggested that really for any formula that's been around for a bit of time, use it without too much modification because then you'll get a sense of what the doctor was seeing. You'll get a sense of what the doctor 
was pointing at, you know, in his own thinking. And, and so I hear you using this with uh, Dr. Usporm here, just take it, use it, watch what happens. That's absolutely right. And I, and I think the other thing that it, that it points to, I've spoken to Dr. Dr. Yu at some length about this, and he, so we all, as modern students of East Asian medicine, we all think about pattern differentiation, right? What in Chinese is bian zheng. And Dr. Yu is very quick to point out that while bian zheng is very, very important, it's very useful, and it is something that we should study, but there is a long history and a long tradition in East Asian medicine of bian bing. So bian bing is disease differentiation. And I'm not talking about, you know, modern biochemical, mm -hmm. mo modern biomedical disease names. I'm talking about the traditional disease names. And so he, there are certain, this is something else that has rubbed off on me. Um, there are certain things where, you know, r regardless of the rest of the signs and symptoms, if you see these kind of certain cardinal symptoms in a certain kind of disease pattern, you use this formula. You don't have to do bian zheng on it, right? It's a bian bing. It's a disease differentiation. Once they have the disease, if they have this set of symptoms that are associated with that, then you use that formula, right? Now, that's interesting because so often, I'm just trying to think here. I'm, I'm thinking in, in my studies and, and often in my thinking, I'm trying to think not so much about illness. I'm trying to think about, like, what's the pattern? Right. And what you're saying here is there's also a way that illness can show up. And when it shows up in a certain way, then you just treat that and then see if there's anything left over. Yes. Is that, I have that right? Yes. So, again, in the, in the first Walk Along the River book, there's a case of a guy who has a headache, and he's vomiting up clear fluids. Right, and so the, the thing that's interesting about that case is that he, you know, when you hear headache, vomiting of clear fluids, you think wujuyutang. But the patient has a bunch of heat signs, mm. right? And so you're like, well, that's a problem, right? I don't want to use wujuyutang because from a bian zheng point of view, from a pattern differentiation point of view, that doesn't seem right. That's, a, that's cold congestion supposed to be the pathodynamic. That's the wrong pathodynamic if there's heat, right? And Dr. Yu says, no, actually. You use that formula because those symptoms are so closely tied to Wuju Yutang, it doesn't matter what else is there. Okay, this brings up a very thorny question that, that I, I suspect all y'all out there listening to this have experience with this as well, that there are certain symptoms, you need to pay attention to them. There are other symptoms, sometimes you can actually safely ignore. The question is, when do I know to ignore what, and when do I know, need to know what to pay attention to? Hello everyone, Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. 
You'll be familiar with Dumai, the Governor Channel or the Sea of Yang, the primal reservoir of Yang, which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of Yang Qi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. Something else that you mentioned in your talk today was that if you take away what a person's main complaint is, if you just erase that from your thinking and look at what's going on for them, you'll get a different picture. So I know this is an impossible question to answer, but you're a good guy to ask impossible questions too. So how do you know when something is worth paying attention to and when you can safely ignore it? And if you decide you're going to ignore it, how do you make sure you don't forget? How do you sort of navigate this when to pay attention to something and when to put it on the back burner? So Dr. Yu started seeing patients when I was two. <laughs> right? So, so I, mean, I think we have to also remember that the amount of clinical experience that he has is so vast that he can say things with authority that I would never be comfortable saying, right? Um, he was, he was kind of joking with us during the class saying that last year he didn't see that many patients. And we asked him how many patients he saw, and he said about 8,000. So that's my, the preface to my answer, right? How do you know which, when to say, oh, I'm going to ignore those symptoms, and that's okay to ignore them? You, I think, on, if I'm honest, you only know in retrospect. So like in the Wuju Yutang case, what Dr. Yu ends up doing is, you, is giving the patient Wuju Yutang unmodified. And he says, look, you may feel thirsty, you may get a dry mouth, you may have these problems, but I want you to kind of continue on this for a week, and then we will decide what we need to do next. And the patient takes the herbs and, of course, gets better. And so then you know, well, it was okay to ignore the rest of those heat signs in that case. And then Dr. Yu tries to go back and unravel why did that patient have those heat signs mm -hmm. and where did they come from and how does he now understand that because he knows now that the internal pathodynamic was, in fact, trapped cold because he used that formula and it worked, right? But I don't, I don't, I would not generally be comfortable telling you that in advance. Right. Sometimes it's, it's the post-game conversation that helps us to understand something. Oh, there's some heat. Well, there was some trapped cold that could cause some constraint that will give you some heat. I mean, it's a very common Taiyang kind of an issue when you think about it. And it reminds me, too, and I've heard so many really good herbalists talk about this, that you give a formula as a testing formula. You've got an idea. You're very clear. You're not 
you're not going to try to create some harmonizing thing or take care of everything. You're looking at the one thing you think it is, and you go at it directly, and then you watch and see what happens. Yeah, and I think, um, I think there's a fine balance that we, we hopefully try to achieve, which is, you know, I don't want to feel like I'm testing formulas on my patients. So I want to make sure that I'm clear about what I'm giving and that, I mean, one of the reasons for me to use whatever formula I'm using in, in a fairly unmodified way at the beginning is because it allows me to be more clear about what my therapeutic goal is. And so that, that I think, is an important factor. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to suggest testing like, I'm not sure I'm going to throw this at them. It's I've, I've got a clear idea in mind that I'm diagnosing, and I want to see how that, that they react to it. There was something else that you brought up, which is once that issue cleared, then Dr. Yu will go back you know, and look at that case and go, okay, these other things that didn't quite match up, how does it fit? This seems like a really helpful piece. I'm not sure how many of us do that. You know, do we go back and try to figure out why were these other things here? Or do we just go, okay, that worked and on to the next thing. So, you know, doing like a post-mortem and like case study of things that work might not be a bad idea. I think that that's a, it's a great idea. I know that m most of us were busy and the idea of going back and doing that is not easy. I do think it points to the value of actually writing up cases. Because when you actually have to write something down, and especially if you think you're going to publish it, or let other people look at it, then you have to go through the process of trying to understand what it was that you were thinking. And one of the great things that Dr. Yu did, did uh, for us in Seattle last weekend, uh, which I guess he's doing again up in, um, at White Pine, is talking about cases where the initial diagnosis and treatment didn't go well. And then how do you adjust and change? And I think, you know, for me, one of the things that hanging around with Dr. Yu has, has reminded me about, because I, I, I've known this before, but he reminds me because of his amazing breadth of knowledge and depth of clinical experience, is, you know, Dr. Yu doesn't always get it right the first time. You know, he's not infallible. None of us are. And, but he is very clear in his thinking. And so when he gives a patient a formula, and he doesn't get the outcome that he wants, he already has a plan about what to do next. And I think that if, any, if we have any responsibility to our patients around sort of trying a formula and we're not sure it's going to work, it's this, that, you, that we want to be clear, mm -hmm. have a real focused directionality in what we're doing, and, then we're, and maybe we already have thought a little bit about, well, if I give this formula and it's not quite right, what might I expect to see? What kinds of problems might occur? And then you can start to kind of imagine, well, if that happens, then maybe I can go in this other direction. That's a really good idea. And I know we're all really busy in clinic, but taking that little bit of extra time, and this comes back to a question, I think I'm answering a question that I asked you. I'm answering it for myself, so thank you. That's very <laughs> tricky there, Dr. Mitchell, of, of how do you know what to pay attention to and, how, and, and what not to. But when I'm making a formula, 
come up with a diagnosis, make a formula, there's a few things that don't fit, be sure to write those down. These are the things that I am not sure of. And this formula may cause this exacerbation of those. And if that happens, what would my plan B be? Thinking about that ahead of time, I, I haven't done that. But I like the idea of starting to do it. That, that uh, um, what does it do? It, it, it makes me think it through much more clearly. Instead of like, here's a formula, let's see what happens. Think it through first and then see what happens. That's, uh, do you guys do that in your school when you teach people? Well, I was just, I was going to say that this is something that I have to do more than the average person because I have students often that are following me and they're saying, why did you give the patient that formula? What, like, wh and what do you think is going to happen? And so it's, I mean, like many things, it's that situation of having to explain myself to somebody with less experience than I have. It forces me to go back and go, okay, am I really clear about this? Do I really have a conception of what could potentially be problematic about what I'm giving? And then what do I think is going to happen and what would I do if it does? And also, when you've chosen the formula that you think is the starting place, can you conceptualize how that formula, like you mentioned, there's a, maybe a couple of symptoms that you haven't quite come to terms with. I think it's a really good idea to think about, can my formula address those symptoms? Because, you know, oftentimes what you'll find if you actually kind of push yourself to go there a little bit, you'll go, well, you know, I don't, like, can't. Like, I'll give you an example since, since we were talking about Sinisan today. So Sinisan normally uses, the, in the classical formula, uses Jersher, right? So Jersher has a mild ability to promote bowel movement, right? So, so you have a patient who you want to use Sinisan with, but they have diarrhea. So do you use Jersher or not, right? Well, in my experience... If the patient has diarrhea, but they really are a true Sinisan patient, and they haven't had diarrhea for so long that they're, super, that they're deficient or those kinds of things, if they really fit the, that, that qi dynamic kind of problem, Jersher will solidify the stool. Right? And in fact, changing it out for Jerka because they have diarrhea will not help them as much. So... Now, you have to be careful with this because if the patient has a little bit of an underlying spleen deficiency, sometimes you can exacerbate the diarrhea. And so knowing where that line is and when to use it and when not, that's something that I think you just get from experience. Mm -hmm. But it, it also illustrates this issue of, okay, can my formula address symptom X? And if I think the answer is, well, yes, it can, as long as it's a product of that disease dynamic, well, then that's a great thing for you when the patient comes back and says, yeah, like I'm having these super beautiful regular bowel movements now. And you go, okay, right? Check. That's because that came from that Sinisan chi dynamic problem. It didn't come from something else because I made it go away with Sinisan. Yeah, this is, this is one of the joys of doing our work, and this is one of the things that can also keep us up at night. Did I do the right thing? There, there's a, a 
book that I got when I was in Taiwan, and I should remember the name, but I don't. But it was this, uh, it was the guy who did the compo book. Well, I forget his name. Uh, yeah, Otsuka, that's right. And his case studies are great because he is so transparent. And he talks about this very thing where he'll see, the, he'll see a pattern and he'll see some things and it doesn't quite match. And do I do this? Do I do that? Yeah. And he talks in this one case about, well, I finally decided, even though they had these blah, blah, blah symptoms, I gave him this other thing anyway, and then I didn't sleep that night because I wonder what I'd done to my patient. And like two days later, they come back, and it turns out that things were fine. And he says, well, here's what I learned. This formula also treats these things in this kind of a situation. But that, that honesty, that, oh, my goodness, I'm not exactly sure, but I'm going... I'm not going to go too, I mean, I'm going out on a limb, not being irresponsible, not flippant, yeah. but, but just taking myself a bit beyond the edge of what I know and then paying attention to the results. And it seems th the only way to learn this medicine, fortunately or not, is, is by taking these risks. Well, they, they don't call it the practice of medicine yeah. for nothing, right? <laughs> I didn't make that up, of course. But. No. All right. Well... Thank you for your time here today. It's always delightful to talk about this stuff. And uh, maybe we'll get you back one day to talk about why uh, Sinisan is in the Xiaoyun portion of the Shanghai Lun. Thank you so much, Craig. Thank you very much, Michael. It was nice to see you. Thanks, as always, for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. <laughs> <laughs>